This was about 20 years ago. Me and a bunch of my friends went to a popular campground by the beach to spend the night, rural coastal area. When we arrived, there was a pile of chopped wood about two meters high. It was a bit of a bizarre novelty, so we had fun climbing on it and building our fire out of something that wasn't twigs. There's even a candid picture of my friends up there. So we went to set up our tents, lit a fire with ease, smoked weed, and drank, as you do in your early 20s. We went home the next day. It may have been a few days later, or maybe a week, I can't remember. But the police discovered a body of a missing young woman under the woodpile. The murderer had killed her, chopped up all the wood, driven about an hour, dumped her body, and then dumped the wood on top of her. Turned out that she had been there for about 24 hours by the time we were climbing and playing on the woodpile. I can't remember her name now, which makes me feel bad, and Google doesn't help. Her murder was brought to justice at least. Anyways, I think about it from time to time, even though it's been a while. I was camping in the dead of winter in the northeast with my scout troop. It was only about 20 degrees out at night. I usually wake up a few times over the night on these abnormally cold ones, but this time I woke up sweating, which was unusual. And when I sat up, I heard something rustling not too far away from my tent. Me, being one of the oldest, got out of my tent to investigate. I had a knife, a hatchet, and a flashlight. I heard something crash, but didn't see anyone. I checked the five tents around me, and everybody was asleep. I checked the 15 little scout tents, and everyone was there. I checked the adult tents, and everyone was there too. It freaked me out so much that I didn't sleep for the rest of the night. In the morning, when I left my tent, I checked the snow around my area, and there were footprints of boots bigger than mine, all around my tent, and around the shrubs near it. There was also a huge spot in the snow where you could tell that someone dove down and hid behind the shrubs. Needless to say, there was someone that I didn't know who had bigger feet than I and all the scouts and leaders, and it was in our campsite. I always set lunch for one hour now and do campsite sweeps from now on. Edit. When I checked the tents, it took me about five minutes, and there were snow and sticks everywhere, so there's no way anybody could have got into their tent without me seeing. I was out with my girlfriend Sunday evening for a walk in the park. I suggested we try a new way. The entrance of the park was a narrow trail with tall grass on both sides leading deeper into the woods. After a few minutes walking, we noticed a tall man wearing a white tank top and shorts standing alone on the trail looking at us. I whispered to my girlfriend, that's not creepy at all, and proceeded to take a different path in the forks ahead of us. We continued down the trail that ended up taking us down in this narrower path with trees on both sides. As we were walking in a single file line, girlfriend leading the way, I heard something like a branch snap behind us, which made me stop and listen. I shortly concluded that it was just an animal, or a coincidence. It was starting to get nearly pitch black, so we had turned on our flashlights on our phones, and decided to head back before it got too dark. I was walking in front now, and it just took a few steps before I was face to face with the guy with a white tank top. He was sneaking behind us with no lights on, following us in the dark. I shined my lights towards him, and he looked like a deer in headlights, like someone had caught him red-handed. My fist was instinctively clenched, and I had a real bad feeling about him. I was sure I was going to go south, and I was ready to fight. As we approached to go past him, he said, Good evening. I replied with a confident good evening to show him no fear, and we continued our way back. I looked back after a few steps and he was just standing there at the spot that we crossed him and he was looking in our direction. I told my girlfriend to get in front and we ran the fuck back to the exit and got in our car. Relieved, we were talking about what just happened and realized the intensity of it. 
A few minutes later, we see the man walk out of the trails fast. I don't know what he was hiding there, or what was at the end of the trail, but I'm lucky we turned back fast. We both felt bad vibes from him, and I believe he was up to no good. Stranger in the woods, let's not meet again. So I want to share this creepy encounter with you guys. About four years ago, my wife and I planned an evening out for her birthday. My parents babysat and we went out to a restaurant. Because I drove, I didn't drink, so we didn't bother to go anywhere else after we were done in the restaurant. But because the night was still young, we decided to take a long drive. A location which is relatively nearby is a large national park. We decided to take a drive up there and sit and chat under the stars. When we arrived there, the country roads were dead. I found a nice open parking area to pull the car up in. We started making out and things carried on until we began having sex. At no point did either of us leave the car. As we were doing the deed, headlights lit up our vehicle. Instantly we were like, oh god, there's somebody driving by. I hope they don't see what we're doing. For me, it was an instant turnoff, so I quickly pulled up my trousers and ceased. I thought the car was just a fellow traveler passing by, but to our surprise, the car pulled into our area and began circling us. I put the keys in the ignition and said, let's go. I drove out of the car parking area onto the road back to the main connected road. The car followed. Once we were on the main connecting road, we could see the make, model, and color of the car that was now following us. It was a dark red Ford. I drove quickly, but not recklessly. The car matched my speed and was right up my ass. Neither of us were 100% sure if we were just being paranoid or if this car was really meaning to follow us. So I said, I know what I'll do. I'll pull off at some random turning to see what they'll do. So I put my foot down and after a few hundred yards down the main road, I made a late left turn down a narrow side lane. I pulled up after a while on the side road, stopped and turned off my headlights and watched in the rearview mirror to see if the red Ford carried on straight on the main road or if it turned off. After a few seconds, there he was. He had turned off and is now coming down the narrow lane towards us again. At first we were blinded by the headlights, but I was sure it was him. My wife said, I don't think it is the same car, you know? I said, it is, it is, look. As he got closer, it became apparent that it was the same car, so I drove further and further, and luckily found a big space enough to turn my car around. I spun around, and back on the main road again. He followed. Now back on the main road for the second time, I now decided to speed. As I was heading towards the build-up city center, he kept behind me the whole way. Eventually, we stopped at a red light, and he was right behind. I looked in my rearview mirror and saw his face. To this day, I can still remember his face. A middle-aged, slightly tubby man with glasses and thin gray hair. At this point, I was freaked out. We both were. I said to my wife, I'm going to keep driving and try to lose him. But I'm not driving home, so he doesn't know where we live. She agreed. We drove around for maybe another 10 minutes. He was still following. At this point, I was beginning to consider the possibility of calling the cops, but I thought I would give it a few more minutes of trying to lose him. Thankfully, a few streets later, he turned off and was never seen again. I know it's a real possibility that he may have been a dogger, not sure if this is a thing in America, but it's basically where strangers meet other strangers in the wilderness to have sex. But if he was a dogger, or thought we were doggers, then surely he would have understood that we weren't interested when we actively drove away. The fact that he followed us into a built-up city for 25 minutes or more makes me think that he had more sinister intentions. What do you think? To this day, it's still the wildest moment of my life. So, this will probably get lost in the subreddit, but whatever. It's a story I didn't share to many, because I guess it isn't as creepy as it gets, but I'll never forget it. 
my best friend and I live near a forest, or more like woods with a little river. We as kids love to go there after playing video games. One time we went there because we were bored. It was a sunny day, but I don't remember the month. I was around 11 or 12 at the time. We were in the forest and throwing rocks into a teeny river, just walking and talking. As we were just walking, I felt observed like never before. I asked my friend if he had the same feeling, and he told me that he did in fact. We looked around until we saw a stranger. He was on the top of the hill looking down at us, all dressed in white, a menacing bald guy. We were petrified. We started running out of the forest. We were so scared. I never ran so fast in my life. I was shitting my pants. He had no reason to be there, just looking at us. He could have said something, but he didn't say a word, and we just stared at him for like 10 seconds, scared as we were. I had no idea who this guy was or what he wanted, but I never went back into those woods ever again. And what is most weird in the story is, after that, I felt like I was being observed for a very long time at random moments, like while in bed. Back in 2016, my friends and I for the longest time had been itching to go camping to our local campsite in Los Padres National Park in Southern California. We found the perfect weekend to go that didn't interfere with any of our work schedules. We set the date. Three days before the trip, we found out that we were going to be hit by the El Nino rainstorm. Us being the dudes that we are, we didn't care if we got hit by the storm while camping, so we packed up our cars and made the 45 minute drive to the campsite. The campsite was a family friendly one, where there were about 100 camping lots that circled around the clearing in the forest. We found the perfect spot that was underneath a huge thick tree that would help block out as much of the rain as possible, and it helped that the restrooms were only 30 yards away. As soon as we got to our spot, we took advantage of the afternoon sky being cleared for a moment, and we rushed to set up our spot. The layout that we did was that we pitched our tents close by, where our tent doors were only about 6 feet apart. The reason why we did this was to combat the rain, and in order to combat the rain, I brought a 30 foot by 30 foot thick blue canopy tarp that I threw over to cover us from the rain above, and the rain that would have been running through the ground. It was a genius move on my part. But whenever you would walk around the tank, you'd be making so much noise from the crunching of the plastic tarp. Hours passed and we were around the campfire. It was late into the evening and this was the first time I noticed that there were barely any other campers. They were mainly camping in their RVs, like the fake campers they were. Honest opinion, they were the smart ones, unlike my friends and I that were sleeping out in two small tents, with our only protection being a blue tarp. I was getting tired from the long day of work and decided I was going to go off to knock out. My friends followed my lead as well. The way of the sleeping arrangements were was that I had my friend Ray sleeping in my tent and AJ and S were sleeping in theirs. Before I called it a night, I whispered to Ray and told him I'm going to prank call S and AJ, but I'm not going to say anything. Ray smiled and I dialed my friends up. I called them on restricted and S's phone started to ring. Both of them, being the way that they are, got timid very easily when he said to S, Who's calling you this late at night? I don't know. They called me unrestricted. Are you going to answer? Of course not. Ray and I were holding in our laughter as they ignored our call. I decided to do it one more time. Once their phone started ringing, they started freaking out once again and said, Who is it this time? Same person, I think. I'm going to answer. As they did answer, S said very shakily, Hello? Ray and I had to hold in our laughter as we kept as quiet as possible, not wanting to make any noises that would give off that it was us. I held the phone close to my mouth as I began to breathe heavily in a murderous way. I ended the call, and just hearing them freak out the way they did was making my night even better. Me being the idiot I am, I called it one more time, and this time, S picked up the phone immediately and said in a tough voice, Look, whoever this is, better stop. I'm going to call the cops if you keep calling. This is not a threat. Ray and I looked at one another, and at the same time began to fake moan so loud and immediately started to bawl out in laughter. 
AJ and S were so mad at us for pulling a prank that they were cussing us out. Me, finally calming down from laughing so loudly, told the boys, Good night. I'll have pancakes ready in the morning. Since I fall asleep relatively easily, I was out in a matter of minutes, while Ray, AJ, and S were up for a while longer. I was one of the first of my friends to wake up in the morning, and as I promised, I had the pancakes already cooking by the time anyone else woke up. The smell of me cooking woke up my friends, and one by one, they got out of their tents. As we were eating, AJ spoke up and said, Hey Jay, that prank you pulled on us last night went a little too far. Yeah, you had us ready to run to our car and take off. Me feeling a little bit guilty, I apologized and said, Sorry guys, my bad. Yeah, it's one thing to prank calls like that, but to walk around our tent and then go inside it in the middle of the night is totally out of the limits, S said. Me not knowing what they were talking about said, What do you guys mean? Come on, still with the jokes. You were the one that was walking around our tent, and you walked in. Ray spoke up and said, That wasn't Jay who was walking around. I thought that was one of you getting your revenge on us for scaring you. That wasn't us doing that. It was you two. So to explain, after I fell asleep, about an hour had passed where Ray, S, and AJ were still up, and all was quiet in the forest, until the sounds of footsteps were heard stepping on a blue tarp that was on the ground. At first, my friends thought it could have just been a forest animal wandering around, but the heavy footsteps were a dead giveaway that it was a person. As they described, the person was walking all around the tents, making constant figure eights. The person would place their fingers on the fabric of the walls and run them up and down. The footsteps finally stopped after a couple minutes, right in between our tents. The three of them were already having their hearts pounding out of their chests. It was silent for a long minute until the sound of the tent zipper being slid open. As AJ says, the tent door was only opened halfway, and it was too dark to see anything clearly. But in the darkness, both S and AJ saw a silhouette of a man pop his head into the tent and look at both of them. AJ and S faked being asleep the entire time, but kept their eyes locked on the man. The man then opened the tent fully and walked inside the tent just standing at the entrance. He didn't say a word or do anything, just watched both of them laying there in their sleeping bags. After the longest minute ever, the man just turned around and stepped out of the tent and his footsteps were heard walking away, disappearing into the night. The entire time that this was happening, S and AJ thought it was either me or Ray and Ray thought it was either AJ or S doing this. Back to us arguing back and forth at the breakfast table, we were interrupted by a man walking to our campsite. He said, Good morning, boys. How did you fall asleep last night? This man spoke in a smoker's voice, as if he had been smoking for all of his 45 years of being alive. He wore a dirty, sweat-stained white t-shirt that looked more gray at this point, and his blue jeans looked like they had never been taken off. He smelled like liquor, not a good sign at 8 in the morning, and his words were just mumbling around. We didn't say a word to the guy, as he then asked us if we had any cigarettes to spare. I said that we didn't smoke, and he said, Oh well, if you boys want to visit me in my RV, just stop by any time. The man continued to walk away towards the restrooms, and after he was done using it, he walked back to our campsite. He didn't say anything this time, but he looked at us, and gave us a nearly toothless smile, and walked back to his RV. I took note of his RV, as it was the only RV that stuck out as being dirty and more run down than the others. We quickly summed up that this was the person walking around our tents last night, and S and AJ now remembered that they smelt liquor from the person who was standing in their tent. We all agreed that we would keep an extra eye on this guy, and if he did spend another night, we would most likely report him to the park rangers if he tried anything else. When it was around lunchtime, the man came back not to use the restrooms, but just to talk to us. So, are you boys interested in buying an RV? You all can check it out right now and see if you want to buy it. I don't need it anymore since my wife left me. Just check out the inside of the RV. No, we are good sir, I said with a visible threatening tone. The man seemed to notice this and walked away. The man did end up leaving a few hours before sunset, but the entire time he was there, he kept glancing at us.
The man had the RV about 50 yards away from us and I noticed that the restroom was next to his RV. Why did he make the effort into walking way over to our campsite to use our restroom? Also, why do you even use ours if RVs come with restrooms installed in them? Whatever this man wanted, we were just glad that we were able to enjoy the rest of our weekend. About seven years ago, I went lightweight camping with a friend in a national forest that we were very familiar with. It was night, camp was set, and we were at camp around the campfire. Unexpectedly, it started raining, like Vietnam raining, which was very odd because the whole weekend there was no rain in the forecast, at all. Anyway, we decided to pack up and head back to the truck with a roughly hour or so hike. The rain starts getting worse and the fog started to settle. That was alarming to me because we were on the ridge and the fog usually settles in the valleys, at least in my experience. So my friend and I are pretty creeped out by it. Now I know on the trail there is a very mild split where you can go back to the parking area or do a separate trail that goes a few miles to an equestrian trail. I've been on both several times. Well, we got mixed up in the inclement weather and took the ladder. We hiked for about 30 minutes or so and the rain stopped. It didn't slow or drizzle, just stopped. Hell, even the trail looked like it hardly rained on it. It was still very foggy. Both of us know we were in the right spot and something wasn't right. It was the hair on the back of your neck standing up kind of fucked up. We came down a hill and out of the thick fog somehow and before us was a dirt road. It had trees lining it and went on for as far as our flashlights reached. The temperature had to have dropped 20 degrees. It was fucking insane and everything about this area, which I knew did not exist, filled me and my buddy full of dread. I can't explain how absurd and unnatural this place was. The only feeling for me I can specifically nail down is that I did not belong there. So instead of being normal ass white people and investigating and dying, we decided to turn the fuck around and go home. Uneventful walk back, but when we left that area, it was back to rain, mud, and fog. I know for a fact this place where we were doesn't exist, not only from the memory of these trails, but also from Google Maps and investigating. Absolutely nothing like what we saw. So what the fuck was it? Where were we? And how do you explain it? No idea. I've even been back on those trails, albeit in daylight. Never saw that place again. This experience turned me onto the Missing 411. Very interesting books, movies, and YouTube videos about bizarre weather phenomenon with a mix of supernatural, eventually leading to a missing persons. It gets even more weird. Last year, I started dreaming about the place and being there. I don't know, like a calling to it maybe. I called my buddy, who had moved away at the time, and told him I had to tell him something. He said, Bro, I've been dreaming about that place too. I in no way hinted at what I was going to say. It was terrifying and we decided we have to go back. He has moved back now and we're planning another trip to camp off the trail close to the place and we are going to investigate. I decided to take my dogs for a walk today on one of the trails near my house. I told my husband I was heading out and wouldn't be gone long. Vincent Woods Environmental Education Center was where I ended up. I got there around 11.30 in the morning and away we went. Absolutely beautiful day. Trails were totally empty, the perfect walk conditions. I had my two female Alaskan Malamutes. This is important later, I promise. We headed down the green trail since it was the shortest and went by some marsh, bogs, and the girls loved to watch the ducks. The walk was uneventful for the first little bit. Just birds chirping, trying to get some birdie love, and the wind in the trees, the usual forest sounds, and then I heard my name. Weird, but it could be someone with a radio on the different trail. Both the dogs were looking in the direction that we heard it come from. An uneasy feeling starts setting in, but like every other rational person, I chalked it up to be an overactive imagination and continued on. 
Then I heard my name again, a little louder and a little more insistent, if you will. Instead of looking towards where the sound came from, I looked at my dogs, who were both staring in the direction of my name, and I noticed my older female's hackles were slowly rising. Time to go. She's not happy. I decided to turn around and go back the way we came from. We had only been gone maybe 10 minutes down the trail, so it was faster just to turn back. I hear my name again. We walk faster because now the hair on both the dogs are up. One is two years old and her daughter is eight months. Hackles up on a puppy is definitely a sign that they're scared. Then I notice my dogs aren't pulling me. They're Alaskan Malamutes. They're bred to pull. Anytime we walk, literally anywhere on the leash, they are pulling. These two dogs are directly besides me, one on the left and one on the right. She now has a low constant growl like she's warning whatever she can't see to fuck right off. On our way back to the exact route we came from, there was a log in the middle of the trail. I could see my shoe print in the mud and my dog's print heading in the direction under the log. This log was not there on the way. It was big enough and awkward enough that we had to go around it, not far off the trail, just a few steps. I tell my dogs let's go. They follow reluctantly. We hustle back onto the trail. Then I hear Echo's name. She looks. Shortly later, I hear Kive. We're now on a light jog, back to the car. The hairs on the back of my neck are standing up, and everything in my body is screaming to run, run faster. I hear my name again, this time angry. The closer we got to the trailhead, the more desperate my name sounds. We're full on running now. When we get to the parking lot, I notice I can hear the wind and the birds again. I hadn't realized that I stopped hearing the birds and the wind. We piled into the car as fast as I could get them in and didn't look back. Am I crazy? Did I upset something? I didn't take anything. I didn't move anything. I didn't touch anything. Anytime I take my dogs on the trail, I'm careful to respect nature and make sure my dogs do too. We even bring our own sticks for them to carry, if they want one. So don't take anything from the parks. Okay, so I'm not a conspiracy theorist or believing ghost of such, but this is, I promise, a real story that happened to me in the woods as a 14 year old. So as a kid, my dad and I would walk in the cool locations in the forest with our family. The area we frequented a lot was nicknamed the Blue Lagoon. The area was immensely dense and people used to camp there way back in the 70s. Long story short, we were walking in the forest. My family was in front and I stayed back a little because I was looking for small ponds because it had a weird color. As I turned around, in the distance in the forest was something black, human shaped and was running through the forest. Note, the forest entrance only had one road to access and we parked at the end of the road and no cars were around it. I quickly panicked and ran towards my parents. I told them and everyone was spooked out and got back into the car and we just went home. The forest was cut down a couple years later. After watching a couple 411 cases, it made me remember that event. Edit. Okay, so I just spoke on the phone with my dad. He remembers it and said the reason why everyone was spooked because when he was 14, he was in the same spot having a picnic with his Nana. All of a sudden she said get in the car and everyone ran to the car. And he said he could see a black figure of a tall man running through the forest. And apparently the area had many sightings. Hey all, I'm a hiker and enjoy walking and cycling the many trails in the mountains and woods around my hometown in Vancouver, Canada. I usually stick to the same trails, so the areas are always familiar. However, once in a while, I get a gut feeling that the woods are different. It's hard to describe, but something in the woods just feels off. Like they've changed in some weird way from the last time I was there. Almost as if the trees have moved, even though they haven't. It feels pretty eerie and I usually get creeped out. This has happened to me about 10 times in Vancouver, usually in the North Shore Mountains and also in the trails near UBC. 
I had also had this happen to me in Southern California, hiking the trails near my boyfriend's house outside of San Diego. I'm a pretty skeptical person and don't really believe in supernatural stuff, although I find it interesting. My skeptical explanation is that sometimes I hike at different times of the day, so the shadows from the sun are in different spots than I'm used to, making everything seem off. Not sure why this makes me feel so eerie though. That being said, this feels a lot like what I've seen described on the sub and in the documentaries, so I'm curious what thoughts you might have. I've been hesitant to write this because I'm not sure how well it fits with the other stories. This was in Canada and in a relatively small conservation area near my parents' house. It was three years ago. I just finished my college program and moved back home with my parents while I looked for a job in my field. My parents have a Springer Spaniel who I would take on long hikes through the conservation area their house backed onto. The area has lots of trails. Most are small and stick to the less dense forest, but I, being familiar with the trails from growing up so close to them, didn't follow the markers and instead just usually head over the little bridge into the deeper woods. Since I rarely run into people past the bridge and my dog is well trained, I let her off the leash. I usually listen to a podcast and alternate from running to walking to get some exercise. I've never felt scared in the woods. There are some coyote sightings, but they're rare, no bears, and definitely no big cats. This day started like any other. I took the dog through the sparse forest and reached the bridge to cross into the deeper forest. I have no idea why, but as soon as I crossed the bridge, I felt a heaviness in the air. I felt nervous, and the forest seemed darker. It was like I was suddenly full of dread. The dog, who normally ran wild, stayed close to me. I had to take my headphones out because I felt too unsafe with them in. We walked our normal route and the unsettling feeling only escalated. Maybe unrelated, but we saw a dead raccoon laying on the trail, a sight I had never seen before in the usually well-kept trail. Something about it just seemed wrong and I'm not sure why. It was covered with maggots and looked like something out of a horror movie. We kept walking until we reached the area of the forest that a field with very tall grass with the trail that we cut through. You can't see a foot into the grass. It is so tall and dense. We were walking until my dog suddenly stopped and started growling, staring into the grass beside us. My dog never growls. She is the sweetest girl ever. Instantly, I was scared and stopped walking. I decided to clip the leash back on the dog just in case I had to run. She kept growling while I stayed silent, frozen, and listening. Suddenly, I heard what sounded like a human walking through the grass towards us. It sounded big and I could hear distinctly the sound of human footsteps. There was no reason for a person to be standing in the tall grass that deep into the woods. The sound of footsteps broke my frozen state and I suddenly booked it back the way we came. The dog seemed in agreement and ran with me. I didn't look back until we were over the bridge. When I did, there was nothing chasing us. I didn't go back in for a while. I was too creeped out. When I finally did go back, I couldn't have my headphones in anymore. I don't know what happened that day, but I've never felt that kind of dread in my life. My partner and I have become avid campers since our time together. We don't go anywhere too extreme and offer well-traversed campgrounds as we love meeting and getting to know the other campers. One of our favorite spots is a man-made quarry turned private fencing campgrounds that boast around 3,000 campsites in rural Ohio. This incident happened at that campground September 28, 2019. We brought our camper instead of our tank gear but we're stuck up by the front with all the other RVs and pulled behind campers. We were bummed, but since we love spending time in the woods, we opted to spend most of the weekend hiking through the woods and visiting other campsites. Late in the evening, we were doing one of our hikes where we came up with a brilliant idea to get lost or walk with no direction and just take different paths and turns as we came across them. 
Since it was all fenced in, we figured there wasn't much bad that could happen. All of our twists and turns ended up taking us back to the very campgrounds, where campsites are more far apart from each other and neighbor several hundred acres of forest behind the campground's fence. It was a nice quiet stroll and went on for a while. My partner noticed the porter john and stated that he needed to make a stop. I said okay and kept walking ahead, both to give him privacy and to just drink in the beautiful summer night alone. I stopped maybe 30 feet ahead down the path. A few minutes passed before something happened. As I was standing there with my back towards the porter john, I heard rustling noises behind me, then a thud. Thinking it was my partner finishing up and exiting the porter john, I waited a couple more seconds for him to catch up to me as I looked out into the woods. My partner is tall and athletic, and I heard him running behind me. I both heard the footfalls and felt him come up behind me quickly as if he was trying to spook me. I smiled and spun around really fast to look up at him and catch him right before he could touch me, but to my shock when I spun around there was no one there. No one, not my partner, not another person on the path. No one even in the sparse campsites with an eyesight, but I swear on my life I could feel someone standing directly in front of me. Someone or something, just as tall if not taller than my partner. I know what it feels like to have him tower over me, and I felt that same sensation. I instantly dropped my smile and froze. I didn't know what to do. I felt like if I moved, I would be in serious danger, and I felt like I suddenly couldn't hear anything. It just felt like time stopped, and I didn't even want to breathe. The air got heavy and tense, almost like it got very humid very fast. Just when I felt the tension was at its peak, my partner exited the porter john and loudly started talking to me while walking over. As soon as he was within 8 feet of me, the sensation of someone standing in front of me disappeared. The air cleared and the heaviness quickly dissipated. The whole incident couldn't have been more than 20 seconds, but it felt so much longer. I said nothing as we continued to walk, shaken. I asked to go head back to the camper. I generally believed that if I had walked in a bit farther ahead, or if my partner had just taken a minute longer, I wouldn't be typing this. I lived in the Pacific Northwest in Kitsap County, Washington. Since then, I've always lived on the edge of a body of water mainly the Great Lakes, Erie, and Ontario. I currently live in a country that has been previously mentioned in one of the missing 411 cases. I can't help but feel that I dodged a bullet that night, even though I had no idea what could have been facing me at the time, and I didn't discover the missing 411 phenomena until this year. I'm grateful for my partner every day and view him as my protector. Hi all, I ran into Pilates' work a few months ago from a YouTube video that mentioned him and Missing 411. I've yet to read his books but I've seen his movies and had a deep dive on his YouTube channel to learn some more. A common component from people's experiences seems to be an inexplicable feeling of foreboding or of being watched. I had experienced something along those lines when I was hiking in the Alabama hills two years ago. I have never spoken or written about this experience before, and I'm honestly struggling to make sense of it. I was on my way back to California from two weeks of camping, sightseeing, in Wyoming, Montana, and Idaho. I wanted to camp in the Alabama hills before driving through Yosemite and back to my home in the Bay Area. However, I spent the night before camping in the Antelope Island State Park in Utah. Then did some shopping in Salt Lake City before I decided to take the Highway 50, the loneliest highway, through Nevada, and then a quick drive through Great Bison National Park before crossing the border into California. By the time I got to the Alabama Hills, it was dark, and I didn't want to mess around with trying to find a campsite in the dark, unfamiliar terrain, and I really wanted a shower, so I decided to get a motel room for the night in Lone Pine, California. The following morning, I was up before the sun, figuring there'd be some spectacular sunrise photos to be had from Alabama Hills. After driving around and taking pictures, I thought I would go for a hike to stretch my legs and exercise the dog for a bit before the long drive to Yosemite. There's an arch formation that didn't seem too far off the hike, so that was my intended destination. I had the dog off leash, and we were well on our way, maybe 200 yards from the truck, 
when suddenly my dog stops in the middle of the trail and just freezes, staring at something up ahead. I walk up to him and stop, trying to see what he's staring at. The sun was sort of in my eyes and I couldn't really make out anything. Suddenly, my dog got his hackles up and bares his teeth, starts growling and lets loose a frantic volley of barking. Thought that it must be a predator, coyotes, maybe a mountain lion or something, so I immediately reached for my pepper spray. Now, my dog is no stranger to nature. I've had him for four years at this point and he's been in more national parks than almost anyone I knew. We racked up a lot of miles together and I can read his body language very well. I've seen him scared from fireworks, but I've never seen him get aggressive at anything. He's not a barker by nature unless UPS is delivering at my house or the doorbell goes off. He's part terrier and has a strong prey drive so he will go after anything that runs away from him. Cats, squirrels, birds. But he's also a big pussy and won't generally mess with bigger animals. The day before we had walked past a herd of bison and he didn't utter a peep. So to see him just absolutely frantically aggressive and scared at the same time just baffled me and it immediately started ringing alarm bells. Now, I don't know if it was feeding off my dog's energy, but I suddenly got this very deep sense of foreboding, like something was watching and hunting me. It instantly triggered my fight or flight reflex, mainly flight because I still couldn't see anything. Now, I'm 40 years old, grew up in the middle of a civil war. I was a bona fide gang member in my teens. I'm a US Army infantry veteran and I've been working as a security contractor since I separated from the service. In short, I've seen some stuff and I have some faith in my fighting abilities. This was one of the few times in my life where I was really scared for my life. Legs wobbly, can't breathe kinda scared. I transferred my pepper spray to my left hand and drew my pocket knife into an overgrip on my right hand. I was kicking myself for leaving my Glock 19 behind in the truck. We were at a standoff for what felt like an eternity, but it was probably no longer than a minute. My dog, alternating between staring and barking, still with his hackles up, head down, teeth bared, all classic signs of aggression. I tried to coax him forward, but he wasn't budging. I was also reluctant to turn my back just in case it was a mountain lion, and I didn't want to trigger the attack, so I started retreating, face and body still facing forward. I started stepping backwards. My dog also started stepping backwards right next to me, still growling, still with his hackles up. We backtracked maybe 20 yards around this rock formation when my dog suddenly bolts back to the truck. You know that joke about two guys and the bear and just needing to run faster than the other guy? Well, I was the other guy. And the absurdly comical thought that passed through my head was, you little shit, you just left me to be eaten. My dog was gone. I wasn't as fast as him and I couldn't remember the last time I ran, but I ran after him, downhill, full on scared for my life, sprinting. Another absurd thought popped in my head. If I trip now and accidentally stab myself with my own knife, my mom's gonna laugh at my funeral. Finally, the terrain opens up and I can see my truck and my dog stopped and looks back at me, no longer in an aggressive posture. So I come to a stop and turn around, ready to fight whatever was chasing me. Nothing. Not a damn thing. I've never told the story to anyone else because it makes me sound like a big pussy, but the fear was very real. Even just typing this up and recounting this, I'm getting shivers and the tingly feeling, and I probably have elevated blood pressure right now. I've never seen my dog act that way before, so maybe I was just feeding off his energy and his fear transferred to me. I don't know. I can't explain it. But it's one of those few times in my life that I felt like prey. I don't go unarmed in nature anymore. I do have a license to carry, but very often when I'm out there, I didn't bother to carry a firearm. Prior to this incident, I thought the biggest threat I would encounter were other people, so I usually only carried in urban situations. Not that there's no bad people in the wild, but I figured the odds were in my favor. Not anymore. I'd probably carry an AR pistol with drum mags the next time I go hiking way out there.
Back in 2007, I was taking a walk with my boyfriend down to my neighborhood park. I can't exactly remember how late in the evening it was, but it was dark out, probably around 8 or 9 p.m. The park is at the end of a cul-de-sac, and it backs up to a small wooded area and a creek. As we are getting closer to the park, we start hearing very unusual and loud sounds that were like a snarling, screeching ape. We figured it was just a coyote or a fox or something and continued towards the swing set area at the park. We sat down at a bench facing the wooded area when we started to hear those noises again and branches snapping. In the direction of the noises, we saw a treetop violently shaking as if a huge animal was on it, but we couldn't see a figure or anything at all. It was as if what we were looking at was an invisible force. I wanted to take a closer look, but my boyfriend pulled me away, and we started walking back towards the street. We stopped under the streetlight and listened some more. Then we watched the tree's motion jump from the trees behind the swing to a completely different side of the park. A different treetop was shaking, and we could hear the branches snapping and the weird animal noises coming from it. Never thought I would share this experience. I'll always wonder what it was. This happened in Grindstone, Pennsylvania back in the 90s. I was probably around 8 years old and my brother was about 5-ish. We lived on a couple acres in the country with a farm on one side and your basic farm fencing with a thick forest on the other side. With growing up in the sticks and dad being an avid hunter, us kids were taught to be aware of our surroundings and wild animals, things like that. Also, we were taught never to wander off without telling an adult, not to trust strangers, the normal safety stuff kids are taught. Anyways, as a kid, I thought the woods were creepy and scary. There was no way in hell I would go into them by myself. So, I was playing outside with my little brother and he went into the house. There I was by myself when I heard my mom calling for me. Kimberly, come here. Kimberly, over here. Come here, Kimmy. This was a little weird to me because why would my mom be in the woods right now? I climbed over the fence anyways and started walking towards my mom's voice. Then out of the blue, I felt like I was being watched and got this bad feeling. I started to wonder how my mom got into the woods without going past me. You know, thoughts like that. So, I turned quickly and ran back to the house where I found my mom at the kitchen table and my brother playing video games in the living room. I then asked her if she called for me and she said no and asked me why. I told her what happened. This led to us being told to stay inside and play inside for the rest of the day. I'm now in my early 30s and I've asked my mom about this incident and she still swears that she never called for me. There's something about this situation that still really bothers me to this day. Hey all, I'm not going to provide the exact location for this, as this happened on the trail that my mom and I walked the dog on every day for the last 10 years. It was pretty close to our home. I live in a rural area of the Pacific Northwest. And so, there are a lot of trails just outside of town that bordered on a lot of forest. This was one of those, but it was probably the biggest trail in my town. It was actually an access road to some stuff, so it was about 10 feet wide and gravel. At the time I briefly went missing, I was about 10 years old, and I had walked the trail every single day for 3-4 to four years. My mom was with me, as was our dog, an 85 pound Rottweiler lab mix. I had been warned not to go off the trail and wouldn't have normally, but there was a small sub-trail that had a rope swing over a creek. I loved to play there as a kid, and that day I crossed the creek on a fallen tree bridge to hang out on the other side while my mom talked to her friend that she ran into. I was within sight of my mom, a clear view across the creek, when all of a sudden it was like things swirled. My surroundings were completely unfamiliar, and there were plants that shouldn't have been there. The wrong kind of trees with the leaves at slightly the wrong point of the season. Of course, I knew what to do if I got lost. I hugged a tree and shouted for my mom. I was probably 300 yards away at the time, at the absolute most. She should have heard me, but she didn't. 
I wasn't there for very long before a dog came and got me. He wasn't a very smart dog. With all love, saying he was dumb as a bag of rocks would have been an insult to the rocks. He also didn't like me nearly as much as he liked my mom. Total mama's boy and would have stayed near her, but he calmly walked up to me, nuzzled my hand so it was on his head, and walked me back to the creek where I could see my mom. I thought I'd been gone for 15 minutes or so, but apparently it had been an hour plus and multiple people were looking for me, including walking directly on the path I had never left. I'm not sure if this is the right place, but I've held this story in for the last six years because it sounds crazy and I got told not to talk about it. I went camping six years ago with a now ex-boyfriend of mine. The campsite we picked was beautiful. We were able to drive up through some small trails. The spot we picked was next to a hiking trail that weren't very far from the natural hot springs and a huge waterfall. We were in the middle of nowhere. Absolutely no one was around us. We set up our camp next to the car, went hiking, soaked in the hot springs, came back and had dinner. It was all very normal until we woke up the next day. I need to give some context of how we slept that night so you can understand my confusion. Before we went to sleep, I put our food cooler and stereo that we had brought into the car and locked it. I put the keys in my front pocket of my backpack and put the backpack next to my sleeping bag on the far side of the tent, away from the door of the tent. My boyfriend at the time slept nearest to the door of the tent with his gun next to him. We woke up in the morning and I felt fine. I slept hard from the inside of the tent and everything seemed normal. When we got out, our campsite was absolute chaos. The fire pit we had made was ruined. The cooler had been thrown and the food was scattered all over the place. The stereo was smashed to pieces laying next to a tree. All the car doors were open, including the trunk. We stood there for a minute, in silence, just taking everything in. The woods felt off now. It was quiet and not the beautiful campsite that we saw yesterday. Everything about those woods felt wrong now. My ex accused me of not locking the car doors the night before and that an animal had got to our stuff. I promised that I locked it and went in the tent to grab the keys from my backpack, but they weren't there. I found them later on the ground right next to the car. We quickly threw everything into the trunk and left. My boyfriend was quiet and wouldn't talk to me about what just happened. He finally spoke when we were almost home and told me that he had a dream the night before about someone kneeling over him in the tent, holding his gun, and just staring at him. When I tried to ask him more questions, he got quiet again, and said he didn't want to talk about it and that we shouldn't talk about it anymore either. I tried to forget about it, but I just can't. Something really wrong happened to us in the woods that night. 